she's excited she accidentally stumbled upon uh we got we're doing a little birthday thing uh, with my folks this weekend and jamie got some balloons that we were just storing in the extra bedroom and uh jamie would gone in there to put some stuff away and left the light on and then on the way up for bath time like abby wandered in there and saw the balloons was like all happy <laughs> like balloons <laughs> that's awesome and then oh. i was like okay it's time for bath time and she was she was less happy hello and welcome I am Josh Crawford, one of your friendly and ignorant hosts, and the other voice you'll hear is Matt Austin, just as friendly, but maybe not quite as ignorant. That's what he thinks. (laughs) This is We Don't Know What We're Doing, and this is episode eight. The topic that we're talking about today is what do we want our children to inherit from us? So uh, at the time of this recording, the national and local election furor is in full force. Uh, to be honest, when I wrote these notes originally, I thought I was going to have to cut that line out because I figured surely uh, with as long as it takes us to get our act together to record an episode, they'd be done by now. But no, there are still recounts. <laughs> there, there's still a good chance that by the time we get this edited and posted, that line still won't be out of date. So, uh, Unfortunately. Anyways, uh Hopefully by the time you hear the episode, most of it will mercifully die down, but we'll see. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, when we recorded our last episode, Matt and I spent a lot of time talking about whether it's a Christian's duty to vote or not, and whether it's worthwhile uh, to lodge protest votes. So hopefully whether uh, the candidates you chose to support won or not, you were able to make your decisions prayerfully. And you were able to uh, surrender that outcome, whatever it is, uh, so that you weren't, um, you know, in bed in the fetal position the next day. Actually, Matt, a funny thing, uh, you know, I've told you before that I'm I'm actually pretty bad when it comes to researching elections. But I I did actually do some research uh, before voting, at least a couple hours, which I, I think puts me probably ahead of the majority of the population. Oh, I did want to ask, I don't remember if I followed up and found out whether the uh, bingo measure was approved. Oh, uh, that's That a brings good one. me you know, so I much actually... joy that there was a bingo measure on the ballot in uh, Missouri. Yeah, I, I think it failed, actually. Um, so voters, voters concluded that um, if you're going to lead a bingo game, you need to be part of the organization for two years. Six months is just too fast. How else are you going to get trained on how to spin the uh, spin the cage? I know it's it's complicated, but but medical marijuana passed. Which interestingly enough, um, some of my uh, nursing friends were actually in favor of. So I don't know. I I trust them and their opinion, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't have. You said you didn't have any non-ballot issues, or I'm sorry, um, like non federal elections all the local stuff was on the off years uh all of the local offices so there were uh you know a couple like bond measures and stuff like that but no uh no offices being elected so it's it's a nice short ballot on even years gotcha 
Well, I can't complain about the lines um, because I literally walked in and, and voted and walked out. It took me like 10 minutes. So, yeah, that was pretty much how it went for uh, for us. I actually took Abby because I it's our polling place is at the high school, which is basically right around the corner from our house and right around the corner from her daycare. So I was like, oh, I'll take her and she'll get a sticker. So, uh, you know, I, I guess she enjoyed it. She took Minnie Mouse, um, who I, <laughs> I had to tell her that Minnie Mouse was registered in Florida. So Minnie couldn't vote. But, you yeah, know, she dealt with that. That's such a bummer. <laughs> they really should have like play ballots for kids uh, but then that would just really complicate the re the recount efforts so <laughs> this one this one's not official so anyway uh all the election stuff aside uh what we're talking about tonight is as husbands and fathers now what what do we want to pass on to our children other than the knowledge that Minnie is registered in florida uh, what kinds of things do we want them to inherit from us? And is there anything that we can do to help make that happen? Or is this just kind of, um, you know, genetics and things that are completely out of our control? So actually the first question I had that I wanted to throw at you, Matt, was what type of parent would you say that you are? Are you one of the hover parents or... How would you categorize yourself? No, I'm, I mean, right at this point, it's kind of early to say, I guess. Um, I mean, she's only two, so there's only so much that can really happen. Uh, I, I'm definitely not, I, I don't envision myself being a hover parent. Like even, even right now, I'm, I'd much rather kind of sit back and, you know, like, I'll see what happens when she does this. Um, you know, even if it is like, okay, now she's going to fall off the couch. Well, okay, well, she'll learn. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So I found this random uh, article from Psychology Today that I had shared with you that had uh, four parenting styles. And I think this is like personality styles. You can probably come up with so many different designations. But they split it into authoritarian parenting, neglectful parenting, indulgent parenting and authoritative parenting which i guess the way they yeah. distinguish between authoritarian and authoritative is authoritarian is like domineering and just making all the decisions for them where authoritative is basically like the gold standard it's just uh asserts authority when needed but lets the kids do their thing so it sounds like you lean more toward kind of letting her experiment and stuff so i guess you'd be maybe closer to authoritative i guess yeah i kind of skimmed over this article and i thought it was a little bit worthless because it was basically like <laughs> they they had set it up as okay here's the good style of parenting and now we're going to come up with the examples of all the bad styles which style are you right so don't do the bad things and by default you'll become the good i guess right yeah that's hilarious i i agree with you the uh, I guess what made me laugh about it is that if authoritative or whatever, if, if there's a, a perfect style of parent, I know that I'm not that. So maybe that's why they had a hard time writing that is because no one really knows what that looks like. Um, but I could definitely see if I'm going to make mistakes, which of the bad parenting styles I tend to fall more into. 
So I think I tend to fall more into authoritarian. Um, we'll see how I am when Nathaniel gets a little older. I think you're right, it's maybe a little early, but I tend to have pretty high expectations for uh, you know, a two year old a two year old's ability to sit still, for example. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, which is honestly I don't think that's a bad thing. You mean like having high expectations or Right. Or just setting, I mean, even, you know, to set a consistent, you know, way of this is what you do for this. Uh, mm. Although it is funny just how much they'll they'll pick up. It's it's really funny because one of the things that she has learned recently, uh, we had some friends over on Saturday and we were all just uh, hanging out in their playroom and uh, my friend Steve sneezed, and Abigail just immediately goes, bless you. <laughs> and he looks up like, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because she's so young. It is hilarious, the things that they pick up. Yeah. Sarah tells a story about one of the first examples of that, that she remembers. She was out driving with Nathaniel. He's back there in his car seat, and they're driving past you know, I don't know, a, a BP or a Phillips 66 or something. And he looks out the window and goes, gas. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I mean, he could say like half a dozen words, right? So yeah, um, she's like, first of all, I didn't know you knew that word. And second of all, when did I ever tell you that's where we get gas? You know, somehow he just <laughs> connected it, listened to us talking or whatever. Yeah. So that does kind of lead you into the how worried are you when he's in the car when you're driving as to what he'll pick up? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I don't I don't do a lot of uh um road rage when I'm driving. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll tell on Jamie a little bit because she likes to talk to the other drivers. I I will usually say things but only if I'm the only one in the car. Mm. I I do say things but it's like uh you know, come on, you can do it. Stuff like that. Yeah. I am far less encouraging. <laughs> uh, you're more on the, the negative critique side. I still, it, it cracks me up uh, driving with Sarah because she will address the make and model of the car instead of uh, the person in the car. So she'll be like, come on, Camry. <laughs> I, I think that's common. Either that or identifying them like by their license plate. Oh yeah. Like come on Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I I do that with Kansas drivers, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it's gotta be a rule that if you live in a border city that whoever's on the other side of the border are the worst drivers. Because that's certainly true yes. of Maryland. Yes. Well, and it's basically the butter battle book. Um you know, because I think uh, that factors into some of the tribalism uh, that we're experiencing in America today. It's not really anything new. It's just that the Internet has helped it become easier to find a tribe and to find ammunition to shoot at the other tribe with, whether it's a division between sports teams or cities or whatever. Yeah. So but back to uh, back to parenting. So, um, I guess I, this is off topic, but I'm, I'm just curious to explore this a little bit further. So, uh, 
have you felt like those surprising moments with Abby are becoming more frequent? I don't know if more frequent. I, I, I'm usually not the best person to ask to notice things. Mm -hmm. So like, I, you know, I can remember, you know, being surprised at a particular instance, but you know, if, uh, you know, their frequency, I, that's hard for me to tell. It just sort of all sort of blends together, I think. <laughs> so you you are a parent because everything is getting blurry. <laughs> exactly. You know, eventually your eyesight starts getting blurry too. And Oh, wait, you and I already have that. Yeah, I've, I've got that one covered. <laughs> yeah, for Nathaniel, it's definitely accelerating. I feel like... Um, just even within the past like four or six weeks, there has been a dramatic uptick where it's it's almost now like daily that he'll pull out some observation that Sarah and I are just sitting there going, yeah, that's the right way to say that sentence. How did you figure that out? <laughs> like <laughs> he'll uh, he'll point to his blanket and go, you know, has trees on it or something like that, you know, because there's little tree graphics on the blanket. Like, yeah. yeah, the blanket does have trees on it. You just noticed that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back on topic. Um, so uh, talking about passing things on to your kids. So is there, this is more on the humorous side. What would you say is one thing that you definitely do not want Abby to pick up from you, uh, other than the stuff that you are not saying in the car. <laughs> um, so ignoring the humorous bit, because the one thing that really sticks out in my mind, she definitely has a a fast trigger for frustration, which I, I'm very much the same way. Like, I, I definitely know that about myself, where if certain things don't come very easy, then I'm just like, well, screw it. We'll, you know, throw that in the bin. <laughs> uh, and so like there are times we'll be, you know, in the bath and she's playing, she's got a little sp uh, miniature spatula and she's trying to put little bath toys on it and they'll fall over. And she'll put one on and fall over, put one on and falls over, put one on. And then she'll just like kind of make like that whiny, like me. And you know, eventually, <laughs> like work herself into frustration. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's do something else. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have any idea how to avoid it um, since I didn't. Yeah, what's funny is um, you think that she has a fast trigger. I would say that uh, Nathaniel has an even faster trigger because the way you described it, it takes her like the third or fourth time of it falling over uh, for her to get upset. But Nathaniel is like the first try. If it doesn't go right for him the first try, he's like, Aah! and then that frustration turns into violence, like knocking things over, <laughs> which I don't know, maybe that's more typical for boys. But uh, I would say he definitely got that from his parents also. I won't say which one. <laughs> yeah, so my wife pointed out uh, a hilarious thing that Nathaniel has already inherited from me. And what's weird is he started doing it before he had any time to observe it. Like I know for sure I had not done this around him uh, or, 
you know, really given him any examples. But when he's concentrating, he sticks his tongue out kind of, but like in the in the corner of his mouth where it just kind of pushes his lip out. <laughs> and apparently I do the same thing. I didn't even realize I was doing it until Sarah pointed it out to me one time when we were dancing. <clears throat> so, yeah, because, you know, dancing, uh, you have to concentrate really hard. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's doing that. Uh, I guess another thing that I would not like for him to uh, pick up from me is my incredible ability to lose things. I can be holding on to my phone, set it down, turn around, turn right back around, and not remember where I put it. And uh, <laughs> go I have to go digging around or, or walking all over the house like, what did I do with it? So I have to I have to put things in specific places, otherwise I lose them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing that she has picked up that inherited from me because I don't I don't know how much of it was learned and how much of it is just that's her personality that she got from me. And I'm I'm gonna put this on the positive category. Uh, she's incredibly particular with like how things are lined up, and like she will spend time to like line up her toys and all that just make sure that they're you know straight and neat and organized or she will like always put them back in the exact same place every time like she knows where things go and that's where they go (laughs) that's hilarious that is so different from nathaniel i remember being like that though because did you used to sort skittles before you ate them by color (laughs) used to (laughs) okay do you still (laughs) I do. <laughs> Only once it starts okay. to get to the end. Like, I'll hold off on the red and the purple because everyone knows those are the best. And okay. so at the end, I'll just have, you know, a mass of red and purple. So I'll just kind of sort it out so that I have even number, equal numbers, give or take, uh, as I finish it off. And then just alternate so you don't uh, get too ahead on one color. Well, usually I'll eat like a couple at a time, so I'll be like, okay, I'll have a red and a purple, or maybe two reds and a purple if there's a little bit more or something. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the way Jeff eats Skittles, he just takes uh, a handful of any color and throws them in his mouth. <laughs> it's funny. I was reading, there was an article maybe about a month ago that claimed that all Skittles were actually the same flavor. It I was just that. that they had scented them slightly differently. And I, that seems like such a pedantic distinction, mostly because of how ingrained sense is to our sense of taste. Our smell yes. is to our sense of taste. And, and yes. I, that article bothered me. I, I wanted to throw Skittles at them. <laughs> I don't know how someone determined this uh, and how scientifically accurate it is, but I, I heard a long time ago that um, smell accounts for roughly two-thirds of the sensation that that we think of as taste um so yeah it would effectively be the same thing yeah i i know the article you're talking about though because uh reddit i i was on reddit at the time and reddit blew up over it <laughs> lots of arguing because if you want to go to a place on the internet that is the home of pet entry Reddit is a top candidate. <laughs> <laughs> so back on the serious side of things. So um, 
do you uh, do you have dreams or desires for Abby in the areas of like education, careers, uh, hobbies, interests, social connection, the kind of person she would marry? I mean, I think probably most any parent, if they're honest with themselves, wants their child to be their own person, uh, doesn't want to be like one of those caricatures of a parent in a movie, for example, that's like, you're going to be a soccer player because I never was, and you're going to live here and, and do this. Um, but at the same time, I think we do have some hopes maybe that are ingrained that we don't even think about sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're painting broadly enough, then I I think there are some definite things that I would want. Like, that's kind of the point of all of this. Like, we're uh, one of our friends is you know fond of saying you know you're not raising a child, you're raising an adult. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to bring them up into. I mean, anyone is going to agree that you want your kid to grow up to be you know a good person. Um, you know, for right, however whatever you define that definition fits that for you. Like, no one's going to say, you know, no one is going to say, I want to raise my kid to be a bad person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Palpatine, Senator Palpatine might have said that for his kid, but but that's just, uh, you know, that's only from a certain point of view. <laughs> okay, Obi Wan. If they're allowed to have bad dialogues, so am I. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so uh, some of the specifics that you put down here, you know, it's funny. Uh, so Jamie went to the University of Michigan and, you know, other friends and, you know, some of their, some of our friends are like, you know, super U of M fans. Like they'll watch all the games, you know, even if it's 3 a.m. in London where they are, like there's, they'll still watch it. And, you know, so people have tried to kind of kneel and ask like, you know, oh, what if she wants to go to Ohio State? <laughs> and he was like, eh, it's a fine school. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, who knows what the state of education is going to be like in 16 years. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, even assuming it's somewhere in the ballpark of what it is now, which it probably will be, um, who cares? <laughs> like, right. I, I certainly don't. It's funny you mentioned that, <clears throat> because as soon as you started talking about it, I asked myself, do I care if Nathaniel goes to University of Missouri Rolla? And the funny thing is, I would have sworn up and down that I don't care. But then there was like this little, like maybe 5% reaction inside of me that was like, I loved that school. It would be cool if he loved it too. But definitely not for the sports team. And anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, now I, the bigger I question really is, what care. if he wanted to go to Mizzou? See, and I wouldn't care if he did. I I would agree with Jamie. Like, I don't care what school he goes to. I do want him to get an education, even if he doesn't end up doing anything with it. I do want him to have that exposure to different ideas and people from different parts of the country and different parts of the world and, you know, have, have that experience. I know it's not for everybody, but I guess I really hope that it is for him. Yeah, and I think on that level, like, I'm kind of with you. And I'm probably one of the more anti-credentialist people out there. Um, you know, I, I still think it's a little bit silly that, 
most things require a bachelor's degree and that as many things do now seem to require, you know, a master's degree. I, I, you know, I think mm. that's symptomatic of just ridiculous inflation of everything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that there are good, there are benefits to that, you know, um, what form that takes, you know, again, we'll see. Um, but you know, if it's not, you know, a four year engineering degree or, you know, four year English degree or anything like that, I, I'm not terribly fussed at this point. Right. So Sarah and I recently watched, um, a Robin Williams movie, the dead poets society. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. So I never had, uh, cause that's how out of touch I am. Uh, so we watched it and that was kind of what prompted some of this topic for me because in that movie, uh, Robin Williams plays this teacher that has this huge influence on his students and his whole thing, uh, that he wants for them is for them to just really experience life and enjoy life and, um, you know, kind of find what they're gifted in. And that was weird. You didn't hear that, but Microsoft Excel just talked to me. <laughs> I, I, I hit enter in a cell that I had a formula entered for and it read me the answer. <laughs> Clippy, is that uh, you? <laughs> he's back. Okay, let me start over. So yeah, so Robin Williams' whole thing is he wants his students to really enjoy life and find what they're gifted in and, and go for that with everything. You know, carpe diem is his phrase in the movie. And all of the parents, by contrast, are these uh, sticks in the mud that have got their entire child's life planned out for them. Where they're going to go to school, what they're going to learn, uh, the kind of profession they're going to pursue after it. And granted, um, the time of, of or the the part of history that the movie is set in was a slightly different time period. Um, but it was just interesting seeing the contrast because it, it makes the parents kind of look like uh, caricatures of parents. And I don't think most parents are like that. But it is easy for a parent to get kind of hung up on one particular thing, like credentials. So... I was asking myself that, like, do I care if Nathaniel becomes an engineer or a doctor or something like that? I don't. Currently, he wants to be a trash truck driver. Um, so trash truck drivers can make pretty good money from what I hear. They could support a family. So that's fine. Or uh, to say it the way your Irish friend says it, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so if any of these... Uh, topics on the list do you feel like you have a stronger hope i guess again if we're painting a, a fairly broad brush like you don't have a person picked out for abby to marry but do you have an idea like the kind of person you would like her to marry or or any hopes for that uh i mean yeah um so kind of skipping over that down to the the very last one of spiritual beliefs uh, mm -hmm. I think we both kind of have the same answer. I mean, we're we're Christians. We're raising her as you know to be a Christian. Um, you know, bringing her up in that world, in that you know covenant family, and so that's kind of the basis for everything. Like a lot of this stuff is you know 
in some sense superfluous education career hobbies interests social connections sure whatever um, <laughs> once you get down <laughs> i mean really um but once you get down to you know that bedrock of i would want her to be a christian i would want her to come up loving the lord loving jesus let yeah. that be the basis that everything else kind of comes from and you know sure we'll go with that but yeah absolutely yeah and, and you're kind of answering the the next question i had on here like why do we have these desires is it because we think it's best for them or because we want them to quote unquote turn out right and this is something that i think honestly a lot of parents struggle with in including christian parents i think it's easy for a lot of christians to um become more focused on like the outward appearance so they want their kids to, like you said, be quote-unquote good people. And the problem is that um, I think a lot of people haven't really asked themselves the question, what is the most important thing about life? And so all of it gets kind of wrapped up together. Um, not just the uh, religious belief, but the practices and the kind of lifestyle you live and the kind of people you hang out with and the, the kind of things you do. And so this is where I feel like, uh, like politics, even uh, politics gets wrapped into this. You know, if you aren't voting the right way, uh, if you don't have the right political beliefs uh, that a lot of parents feel like uh, somehow they've raised their kid wrong and their kid is, is going off the rails. And so I really like that perspective that you just shared. If, if your child uh, if you are a follower of Christ and your child comes to the point where of their own free will, they say, you know what, I've listened to you, mom and dad, and I've seen what's out in the world, and I want to be a follower of Christ too. Man, that's going to determine the direction of their life more than anything else. Yeah, and that's a lot of what I was thinking about uh, when you first started putting this in the show notes. Um, just as a reference, I put down in the bottom, I cut out the section of the uh, the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, uh, the administration of baptism, the baptism of infants and children, like the instructions, you know, to the minister, like, you know, you go over this, you know, you'll say this, and then you'll ask, you know, these specific questions. Um, and so for that, like the big one... Um, I have that down here. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and read all three. Uh, number one, do you acknowledge your child's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Question two, do you claim God's covenant providence, promises in his or her behalf, and do you look to, in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his or her salvation as you do for your own? And then the third, um, specifically like you know the practicalities of raising them, uh, do you now unreservedly dedicate your child to God and promise in humble reliance upon divine grace that you will endeavor to set before him or her a godly example, that you will pray with and for him or her, that you will teach him or her the doctrines of our holy religion, and that you will strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring him or her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Uh, you know, I think that kind of sets forth the vision of what we want to do when we're raising our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a little off topic too, but now I'm curious. Uh, 
But which, by the way, when you read that, I feel like you need to read it in a Scottish accent. <laughs> As any good Presbyterian would. Yes. <laughs> um, so does the does the Presbyterian Church do the um, baptism more as a symbolic kind of thing, or is it nearer to um, like a, a Catholic belief that once that child's baptism baptized, that they are in the the church uh, as a believer? Um, it is a kind of halfway in between, I guess, is maybe the best way to say it. It mm-hmm. does not it's, baptism. It's like is, a consecration, right? It's not. Uh, sufficient you know for to be actually um trying to think of the word and all my theological terms are failing me um but it's not sufficient for salvation um just Mm -hmm. because you're baptized doesn't mean that you not all that are baptized will be saved and not all that are saved you know obviously have the chance to be baptized Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll start with that um what it is uh, in the Presbyterian Church, it is a sacrament. It is essentially marking them as part of the visible church. Um, so the belief is that they are, uh, like the children of Israel, part of the covenant family of the church. Uh, it, basically, until they, you know, come into their own, till they can make, you know, their own decision to, kind of, part ways or you know actually profess a uh, belief. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Which is similar to, um, it, it is interesting that you said halfway, because I guess in, in a sense it is, because it, it's also kind of similar to some of the um, like non-denominational churches' uh, practice of uh, like child dedication. Uh, it just has more formality to it because you're, you're viewing it as an actual sacrament uh, rather than just like, um, uh, you know, a, a declaration in front of people. So, right, and I mean, for those that may not be clear on what we mean when we say it is a sacrament, it is a means of grace. It is, you know, grace being imparted on them. It's not, uh, like I said, it's not, you know, something that will save them, but it is something that, uh, kind of in short, is a blessing on them. Um, which I think is how a lot of, like you said, like non-denominational or even some Baptist churches will do like child dedications um, just without the water. Yeah, it's a similar idea. It's um, Although I think in that, in the, the Baptist or non-denominational view, it's less a means of a vehicle of grace specifically to the child and more... Um, I think it's more about the the public identification of the child and the covenant between the the parents and the the community of faith. Um, mm-hmm. I guess is where where that difference is. Why I was saying it's it's not a sacrament in the in the Baptist or non denominational churches. But yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. I, that's a little piece of um, Presbyterian doctrine that I I had no idea. So thanks for sharing. Oh sure. But yeah, I put some of the other more silly ones on there, uh, partially as a confession, because I, I realized as I was making the list that as much as I would want to say it doesn't matter to me, that I do have um, hopes and dreams that I guess I, I didn't even realize I had until he was born, even on like the hobbies and interests. If he doesn't play chess, for example, 
that doesn't <laughs> impact his life one way or the other. But I'm going to be a little disappointed because I would love to play chess with my son. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully we'll have that one one child at least that plays chess. Maybe it'll be a girl. But. <laughs> <laughs> so I also... Um... It's kind of funny that we have this topic because I was, happened to stumble upon a Twitter thread earlier this week uh, that talks about more generally just the family. Um, but I, I do think it touches on some of the, you know, how we are identifying that, okay, these things are kind of silly in that light. Um, it kind of started with, I, I think it was there was kind of a format going around of people saying, you know, one of the acceptable idolatries among, you know, given camp of Christians is the idolatry of, you know, whatever their particular thing is. Uh, in this case, it started as the, one of the acceptable idolatries among evangelical Christians is the idolatry of the family. Um, to which one of the uh, writers that I follow had sort of a kind of a short thread fleshing that out. I thought it had some interesting points. Um, basically, they were arguing that we, in the sense that we idolatrize the family, it's also because we kind of bastardized what the family is for. Um, so rather than, you know, we've kind of taken the goods that we get from having a family and kind of We've essentially put the cart before the horse. So we idolatry, we idolize the family because it gives us these good things, because it gives us you know, security and safety and consumption and self-fulfillment, uh, which is a lot of, I think, when you go back to, you know, do you have dreams for them of having an education or a career or a social status? Like, that's the kind of thing that that she's calling out there. Hmm. I guess I'm not seeing the connection. Like I, I understand her point, and I, I totally agree with. Uh, I'm, I'm just scrolling through the threads that she sent to me. I totally agree with the direction she's going with this. That, um, similar to marriage or to any number of other earthly things or human relationships, uh, like we, we idolize marriage because we think it will bring us fulfillment. Uh, and and help us with our identity. And the truth is, it doesn't. Uh, when we are fulfilled in Christ and we have an identity in him, then we're able to do the work that is necessary to have a strong marriage. And having a strong marriage, a marriage that is um, submitted to Christ, is fulfilling and uh, and is a, a wonderful place to be. But it's that's not the reason you get married. It's not the purpose for marriage, I guess. Um, but I guess I'm not seeing the connection with uh, this list. Do you want to restate it maybe and help me? Uh, yeah. So, you know, to the extent that, you know, we have dreams that they'll, our children will have, you know, an education and a career and they'll be successful. It's sort of because we're doing that same, you know, we're putting that cart before the horse. Like if we're looking at those things first over, you know, that bottom, over spiritual beliefs, you know, if we're saying, oh, you mm, know, she didn't marry the gotcha. right, you know, the right person from the right family, you know, and she doesn't go to the right schools, then I've failed as a parent. Mm -hmm. So that's the sense in which we've, we've put things exactly backwards. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. To now I'm totally tracking with you. Yeah, to some degree, this that really ties into a question I've kind of been pondering really for a few years now is what is the gospel? So not like uh, just the, the theological definition of it, but when we think of it, like if you were to walk up to a person randomly on the street and start talking to them and they go, okay, you've convinced me um, Jesus is the way. Now what should I do? And I don't mean praying the sinner's prayer, but if they're looking at you, asking you, okay, what should my life look like? I feel like way too many Christians, and I'll include myself in this, I guess, to some degree, way too many Christians would have this list of things that they should be doing that are external. Um, like you should go to church. You should, you know, we'll get on the Dave Ramsey bandwagon. You should pay down your debt and you should save up money and all this other stuff. And n none of those things really have anything to do with the gospel. Yes, a, a follower of Christ should hopefully be finding more discipline in their life over time. And um, so some of these good fruits can and should come from that. That's kind of, you know, Proverbs touches on a lot of that. Um, there, there is a slightly causal relationship, maybe. Uh, well, I guess that's open for debate, too. But uh, but that's not that's not the point. When you are witnessing to someone and you want them to know Christ, it's so that they can put their hope and their trust for the future in him. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking with what you're saying. It's our hopes for our children shouldn't be that they'll have a job as if the job will be an end in itself uh, or, or the fulfillment of our parenting goals. Um, but we should hope that they would follow Christ and that would be the end. And then who cares what they do for a job? Right. Yeah, so really, that's partially why I brought this topic up, because I think not only is it just interesting to talk about, but I think how we, the things that we hope and dream for our kids is really actually very telling and revealing about who we are and what we prioritize. Yeah, absolutely. So how much influence do you think you have in how Abby turns out, like the whole nature versus nurture debate? I mean, I think there's there's a lot there. I mean, we kind of I don't remember if it was our first or our second episode where we're talking about you know where we came from, uh, or you know how we think we got to where we are, and I mm -hmm. I think looking back, both of us identified our families as being you know a kind of a a very important you know a key contributor. You know, it's not going to be everything, but it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. So what are, you know, what the exact fruits of those influences are, I'm, I, I have no way of knowing. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I do think that we, we clearly will have an influence. Um, I, I hope and pray it's a positive one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Unfortunately, as we identified earlier, our kids are going to pick up all kinds of negative things from us as well as positive. Um, we know right off the bat, one thing that they've already inherited from us uh, that is uh, hugely nature as well as nurture is a sin nature. Uh, unfortunately, Nathaniel is, uh, is very much uh, 
a very simple person right now. <laughs> he, he is he is in need of a savior, uh, just as much as I am. So, but the good thing is we have a good savior. So, I'll have to uh, I'll have to look up which episode it was, and maybe we can link it in the show notes. But uh, as you know, uh, I do occasionally listen to uh, Freakonomics, and they had an episode from a long while back in their archive that was about uh, the impact that parents have on their kids, basically. Um, it wasn't directly about that. It, it kind of came at it from a, a very specific aspect of parenting. Um, I think it, it, was, it was mainly related to like the influence of parents on some of these measurable things, like uh, the kid's income, for example, um, you know, or their level of education. And it was interesting because they, you know, they interviewed a bunch of people and there were um, several people they interviewed that had done very extensive uh, statistical studies. And in the episode, they essentially came to the conclusion that parents don't have that much influence. And so the kind of the point of the episode was to encourage parents to kind of relax and enjoy the ride and not stress out so much about it. But it was interesting listening to it because all of the things they were talking about when they were trying to measure parents' influence were things like how many activities the parents took their kids to or like how early, you know, they started the kid in music lessons or things like that. And nowhere did I hear really any discussion of more the type of parent they were, how they related to their children because ultimately that's what it's all about, right, is relationship. The The only real uh, homage that they paid to it was uh, one economist who um, talked about how valuable uh, he felt kindness was to the kids, that if, if they're kind, if the parents are kind to their kids, that the children will remember that. And so that's where I think parents do have a huge influence that doesn't show up in the data. Uh, and I agree with you. Like the things that I remember about my parents were not how many baseball games they took me to. Although that was, you know, huge for me at that time in my life too. But it's all the moments where, you know, my dad would sit down and talk with me about something or my mom would invent a game to help me learn something because I was having a hard time sitting still. Um, those moments told me, first of all, that I was loved and I was valued. And they also helped me take some kind of a critical developmental step, whatever was next in that, in that path. So I guess, um, since both of us think, uh, that we do have a fairly strong influence, what, uh, is there anything, uh, that, you're doing right now that you want to keep doing that you you think is going to make a difference uh, or is there anything that you haven't started yet that maybe in the future you want to start doing that you think will make a difference I mean directly I I don't know I'm part of this is related to the fact that I'm not particularly a planner like I don't really <laughs> have you know set things like oh you know this is how everything is going to go so I, I it's hard for me to kind of see the long vision 
you know, as far as things that we're doing right now, like I, I really like the kind of the setup that we have, which usually what happens. So, you know, during the week, you know, I'll go to work, I'll come back and then we'll have dinner and then I'll go down and play with Abby. And so I'll get that time with her. Um, and then she's had, you know, some time with mom, you know, before I got home and then we'll go have a bath and get ready. And then we'll all just kind of hang out. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of very specific to the time period that we're in, like, you know, in six years from now, like I'm probably still not going to be taking her up for her bath. Um, right. But just being able to have, have that time and, you know, to, to spend with her, like that's, you know, kind of what I, I would like to keep on doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's huge. And I don't remember much of anything that was done for me uh, when I was two years old. Right. But but that had to have shaped me significantly, just my early understanding and view of the world and my connection with my parents. Yeah. Uh, so, so how about you? That's really cool to me. That's really cool to me that you have that desire and that commitment to, to do that with your with your daughter. I feel similar. Um, I also, I, I think I want to be a planner, but I'm not a very good planner. Um, so just like as an example, um, changing the furnace air filter is something I never remembered to do until, um, you know, we're changing from air conditioning to the heater or something like that. And I notice, oh, wow, this is really dirty. So Sarah had to put a reminder, you know, on our calendar uh, periodically to check it. And that's, so that's my, um, my surrogate for planning and remembering things is putting reminders in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, we probably uh, need to do that. Yeah. But you can't, you can't put a reminder in your phone really to parent. Um, <laughs> I guess you could try, but it doesn't work so well. So things that I'm doing now, um, I guess one of the biggest things for me is reading to him. Um, you guys probably do something similar to this, but so we read stories to him every night and, uh, you know, when we're putting him to bed and there are some nights that I don't honestly feel like it cause I'm tired and, uh, I just want to go to bed myself, uh, <laughs> or I'm, I'm thinking about something else that I need to go take care of. And so, so far I've made a really concerted effort when it's bedtime to, say, okay, God, these next few years of my son's life are going to fly by and I'm going to look back and it, it's going to be like a blur and I don't get this opportunity again. And he won't always want to climb up in my lap and have stories read to him. So while he wants this uh, every night, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be present and I'm going to enjoy it. And, you know, I'm going to read with, uh, funny voices, you know, so he uh, can tell the difference between the different characters. And I'm going to put emphasis to it because uh, I remember my dad doing that for me, too. I remember him reading uh, Deputy Dan books and uh, Sheriff Digby had this hilarious voice that made me laugh every time. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, that's something I'm doing right now. I like I like praying over him. I like sometimes when he gets frustrated, I like picking him up and putting him on my knee and just 
getting his attention and then once I have his attention, just speaking to him in a gentle voice and asking, do you know why I picked you up? Do you know why I pulled you away? Uh, you know, and telling him that this isn't okay or this is something else that you should do and trying to help him understand like, you know, hey, the dog needs some space. You probably shouldn't pull her tail. Um, not because I so much believe that he actually understands everything I'm saying at two years old, but I do think he very clearly understands when I'm trying to connect with him and mm -hmm. when I'm trying to help him understand something. So future things, ugh. I guess one thing that's really important to me that I feel like we're missing right now, and so I'm trying to take steps toward it. I feel like raising boys or girls um, really, they need to see a life in a world that's bigger than just their family. Uh, I think family is huge and important, but I want Nathaniel to grow up having other men to learn from and to copy and to have as an example that are not just his dad or, and you know, his grandpas and uncles. Um, so I, I want, I want to take him, you know, like to the shooting range with some guys when, we, when he gets older, or, uh, I want him to sit by a fire and, and see a bunch of men who are older than he is with their own kids that he looks up to and respects all talking about how God is speaking to them. Um, and so I feel like since we're looking for a church right now, we're really out of community and, and we're missing that. Like if I, if I don't have good, strong relationships with other guys, then he won't have those to watch, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. So while you're, uh, while you're parenting and you're, uh, not planning ahead, but just making decisions in the spur of the moment. <laughs> are there any um, are there any verses or uh, things that you remember your your pastor sharing that have kind of helped guide and shape the way you think about being a dad? Um, and the spur of the moment, usually not. Like I, and I mean, when it comes to scripture, like I've never been one of the. I don't know if this is a type or if this is just a deficiency of my own, but you know, there are people like, Oh, I have them. I have my life verse. I, I don't know <laughs> that. Um, so, it, you know, it's very hard for me to kind of, you know, do that. You know, mostly the one thing that, uh, that comes to mind is Paul's admonition on fathers not to aggravate their children. Oh man. Yes. So that, that will, that will be, reminded to me at times i mostly like especially in the cases where you know she starts to get really frustrated I'm like okay just let's not make this worse <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah so for the uh uh for the listeners i think and you could correct me if i'm wrong but i think the verse you're referring to is ephesians uh 6 4 uh which that sounds just, about right I just pulled up a page that has a whole bunch of translations on it. So I'll just pick the ESV. So it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think some, some versions say something like, don't exasperate your children. Yeah, hmm, actually the message says that. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I've definitely thought of that a few times. 
That's a good one. I'm, I'm similar. I have never had a life verse. I uh, have tried to manufacture one a couple times um, and haven't really been successful at that. But so there are, you know, numerous instructions throughout scripture on uh, parenting or even things that are indirectly related to parenting because it's more related to God as our father. And so obviously I take that as an example. So like when, when Jesus is talking about, you know, if your child asks you for a loaf of bread, you wouldn't give him a stone. That has come back to my mind occasionally um, when he's asking for something and, and I'm not necessarily wanting to give it to him. That verse has reminded me to kind of check my attitude and, and ask, am I saying no because it's good for him for me to say no? Or am I saying no just because I'm irritated with the constant requests and I'm having a bad day? Because if the answer is is the second one, then I need to get over it and I need to say yes because you know my son asked for it and if it's good for him, I should I should share it with him. Um, but I guess one one passage that um, I think maybe kind of defines how I want to parent is from Deuteronomy six, and I know this one is cliched because people quote it all the time. Uh, but it's uh, in verse six, it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So I just think about that. He, uh, he loves the moon, for example. So we take him outside and, you know, point up at the moon and he just gets so excited and smiling. And then we'll ask him, do you know who made the moon? You know, and so now he we've done it enough times. So go, God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's exciting. But. I wonder what it is about the moon. Abby, Abby is definitely a fan. Is she too? She is. We have, there's a couple of books we have. And, you know, every time, you know, there'll be a picture of the moon. And she's just, moon. <laughs> that's she, she doesn't quite, uh, it's more of a moon. 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 Yeah, for a while he was saying uh, Moonis, and we're not sure where that came from. There, there's one that she's she's like Moon Book. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, actually, he likes it so much. Um, we're thinking about getting him some glow in the dark uh, moon and stars to stick on his ceiling. Have you done that for Abby? Uh, we have not, but I, I think she would be similarly excited. <laughs> well, I'll let you know how it goes, because uh, we'll probably get them for him for Christmas. Yeah. Right now, she theoretically has these uh, glow-in-the-dark pajamas. It's like a little Elmo design. Um, although I don't know if she's really noticed that he glows in the dark, or if it really does. <laughs> um, yeah, light. It's probably for the best. Light in general for kids seems to be good. So um, I'm really anxious uh, and excited, actually, to hear what semi-random excellence you have to share tonight. Oh, you're going to be really disappointed then. I have been... I, that's the one thing that I forgot to prepare, and I've been, like, racking myself of, you know, what can I... <laughs> what can I uh, pimp out here? <laughs> Semi-random excellence. The moon. 
This is like uh, actually that that kind of reminds me of, and actually maybe this will be the semi-random excellence. Um, Abby's favorite television show, which I don't remember if I mentioned on on here before. Uh, there's a PBS kids show called Nature Cat. Um, that's it's basically the only thing she watches. So after dinner, we'll come down and she'll ask for cat. And so we'll and it usually is airing about the time that we come down for dinner. If not, we have some on the DVR anyway. Um, and it's just it's a cute little show. It's you know a cat and a dog and a bunny and a mouse, and they go off you know doing all little nature things. Uh, but it's just funny how much she she enjoys it. And, you know, as someone that is sitting there watching it with her, like, it's, I actually find it enjoyable myself. Like, I don't, I, I don't mind it. Um, so if you're looking for something as a parent to show your kid that won't drive you insane and won't be so incredibly dull and simple that you just want to shoot yourself, <laughs> um, Nature Cat. Um, it reminded me of that uh, just because at the end of every episode, uh, they'll do, you know, this sort of, you know, fake little, this episode of Nature Cat is brought to you by leaves. And we'll talk about leaves for a second. <laughs> leaves, wherever <laughs> trees are shedding, you know, in the fall. Oh, that's hilarious. Good, uh, um, good tip. Also, some of the episodes are available on Amazon Prime. So if you're, if you're desperate and you don't, uh, don't get PBS kids. Very nice. We'll have to check out Nature Cat. At, uh. It's funny, before you mentioned Nature Cat, because I was thinking of another PBS kids show from way back, uh, which has changed quite a bit over the years, but uh, Sesame Street used to do something similar to that. Remember, they would go like, this show has been brought to you yeah, by letter this... A. Mm-hmm. She hasn't watched too much, uh... I don't think she's seen too much Sesame Street. Uh, she definitely loves Elmo. Uh, she knows Elmo. Yeah, Nathaniel's similar. I guess, um, I don't know if that's because TV has changed or because parents have changed or what, but uh, Nathaniel has actually not seen an episode of Sesame Street yet, to my knowledge. He has seen uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I don't think she's seen Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We we tried it because Mr. Rogers has a very calming voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing I was surprised, because after like a few episodes, I was looking it up of a nature cat... And, like, all of the main voices are, like, well-known uh, players from Saturday Night Live. Um, and the one that isn't is, like, like a character actress that if you've watched enough sitcoms in the last few years, like, you would recognize, like, oh, that's her. Um, and, yeah, so there's, like, there's a surprising amount of production value for a kid's cartoon. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. <laughs> And with that, sadly, we must bring our episode to a close. Um, so, yeah, Matt, I appreciated talking with you. And thank you to our listeners so much for joining us and being with us. We'd like to hear from you. If you got anything out of this episode, <laughs> we're lonely. No, uh, seriously, actually, we're, we're not <laughs> looking for our identity and listener feedback either. But... Um, but if you did get something out of the episode or you want to hurl accusations of heresy at us, uh, our email address is podcast at we don't know info. Our website is we don't know info. That has all the important social media links for us. So you can go see where we're not tweeting. Uh, please write us with, with any thoughts, questions, comments, funny stories, anything you've got, we will take it and we'll be back at you in another two weeks.
Bye. Have a good night. Waiting for the uh, the buy from you this time. <laughs> like did, I, I almost feel like that needs to become a thing, actually. Well, uh, bye. Yeah, yeah bye. you can uh, snip that one in as you need. Mm-hmm.